1: Only uh, I can do this kind of stuff that I'm thinking about because of my background and history. I can tie uh, the stories together. I know what a dictatorship was, and I can see how this can become one slowly.
0: You've seen this man's illustrations on the cover of Time magazine or on Der Spiegel, or as I saw at the original Women's March in D.C. on signs wherever the Trump-phobic meet and rally. His depictions of the 45th president as an ISIS executioner, a Klansman, or just a melting orange mess, do exactly what he intended. They provoke, they inform, they communicate the loud perils of our moment wordlessly. When I started this show with Bourdain a year ago, I knew exactly who I wanted to get to design our logo, Adele Rodriguez. I was thrilled he said yes back then, And I'm even happier now that I got him in our studio in Brooklyn to drink a bunch of bullshit coconut waters and to talk about how his childhood in Cuba prepared him for becoming, as Fast Company has called him, the illustrator-in-chief. This is Nathan Thornburg, and you're listening to The Trip, drinking with exceptional people around the world. Welcome, Adel Rodriguez.
1: Thanks. Great to be here.
0: Um, We're recording this today from from the uh, roads and Kingdoms like our, our studio in um, Dumbo Brooklyn. So I met you on the sidewalk out front to go to the bodega downstairs so I wanted to find a drink with meaning. It's part of the idea of this show like
1: and you're not drinking <laughs>
0: and I'm not drinking alcohol because of this dry January that feels like <laughs> a dry millennium yeah. um, and you're not drinking so let's have some non-alcoholic stuff. Unfortunately, it's like um, it's a bodega, but it's like a pretty shishy bodega. Mm -hmm. You know, like they've they've upgraded for the, uh, you know, the agency uh, and marketeering crowd that's moving into Dumbo, Brooklyn. So we went down and got uh, the thing that struck me as and you as most resonant with some of the stuff we're going to talk about, particularly about Cuba, because it turns out they got a lot of coconut in the in the upscale bodega. It's just. (laughs) It's different kinds of coconut water. Yeah, it used to be just one. one. Now there's, there's color. Yeah, it's crazy. I, I can remember a time, growing up in South Florida even, mm-hmm. <laughs> where there was no coconut water, <laughs> like in bottles. No, no,
1: no. Yeah, you know, I'd have my, uh, my uh, uncle Luis climb up coconut
0: trees and throw them down to people and then hack them up, and that's how we drank, even in Miami. So, yeah, like, even in Miami. So down in Key West... Mm-hmm. Um, there, there was a time that I could get, get up a, a palm tree, and I remember some point like having not been home for a long time or something where I tried, mm-hmm. and it's so hard. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah. Like the things you have to do with the insoles and your knees yeah. to like kind of, and then you got the little like belt, you know, <laughs> that you like cinch your way up, and I, I just like I lost it. Yeah. Um. I don't think I've ever been able to. <laughs> I, usually had like the one guy in the crew uh, right you know I'm like hey you're the guy you yeah. out there you knock them down you know i was always much more partial to tamarinds because oh. tamarind trees are like they got the low branches mm. and they're wide and you can climb up and you can actually eat them and just coconut's death man it's so yeah. much so much danger um Uh, And now, of course, like horribly, like we just have to pay guys to come and cut the coconuts down, (laughs) which is like you got to turn in your tropical card uh, at that point. So anyway, we have we're going to do a blind taste test of the four ridiculous uh, coconut waters that we found in Mm -hmm. our upscale bodega downstairs. I've got a lot of doubts about this entire market uh, (laughs) place, but we're going to we're going to check it out because. We have, for the first time in the show, in the studio, uh, a a, a legit, bonafide Caribbean. Um, Yeah, I know what coconut water tastes like. That's about it. That's all I know. All right. (laughs) I think we're all going to learn a lot. A lot together. Uh, Adele Rodriguez, born in Cuba, here to taste Brooklyn's finest bullshit coconut waters on the trip. All right, so we've got... uh, Coconut water number one. All right, let's see. Um, tasting notes.
1: The, um, it taste,
0: uh, At first, it's it started tasting like coconut water. Then it tasted like sugar after that. But it could be coconut water. Well, so this is the thing about coconut and coconut milk, coconut water, coconut meat. Like, mm-hmm. it's just not as sweet as people right like want it to be. You know. Especially if all, all you've ever had is like a, I don't know, what are the, what's that like? Uh, isn't there a candy bar with coconut and it? it's like yeah, the, the almond joy or some crap.
1: Yeah, I mean Cuba, they used to, um, you know, bring like four or five coconuts into my mom's uh, backyard and then hack them in, in, into pieces and take the coconut meat out and then make uh, uh, coco rallado dessert. You know, right. I love that. Whenever, whenever. I mean, that's how we had dessert down there. It was um, it, you, you, you didn't go to the store and buy, you know, a dessert. You just whoever showed up with something, mm-hmm. um, you cut it up and you started tossing sugar into that and you cooked it. And and uh, but the 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 coconut dessert took like a whole day to to do. You know, um, uh, scratching the coconut off and and taking the meat out and all that stuff.
0: Yeah, well, that is that is certainly something I remember in my time living in Cuba is. I mean, sugar is like a national dish. It's a national yeah. staple ingredient, <laughs> right? Sugar and coffee are like yeah. the things you get. Yeah, on your you pretty much add,
1: add sugar to everything, and um, yeah, you take any any fruit, you take the the, the shell of any fruit, and you add sugar uh, and you boil it, and then you've got dessert, basically. All right. <laughs> well, with, <laughs> with that said, <laughs> with that said, let's, let's go, go
0: to, to n- number two. Okay. Oh, uh, no. That's weird that's a big note yeah it's like that's like um, what is that flat or something it it
1: actually tastes like water water with a little bit of of coconut flavor in it Mm. in my opinion
0: like somebody got the big dropper out and just dropped some yeah at least the first one had a little bit of more depth I can't believe I'm saying this shit (laughs) Alright, let's let's move on to three, which I think is gonna give me something a little different. Alright, let me see. Ooh, this is this is not a good color. No, the color's tough. The color is like yeah, it's <laughs> like it's like check your peas, talk to your doctor, color. Yes. You know? <laughs> mm.
1: <laughs> oh, that's horrible. Oh, is
0: they stuck something in there. I don't know. <laughs> Ugh. call your doctor what did they
1: <laughs> they put some vegetables
0: <laughs> oh yeah yeah that's right it tastes like they'd like they'd no I'm not even gonna try that again th- threw some rutabaga in there <laughs> number four. oh, oh, oh I'm seeing that this is not looking good already so number four looks like a I would say mm-hmm. um, to put it in to put it in a, a Caribbean context this looks like a salt pond that you would have had in Key West that's filled with tadpoles yeah. Yeah, there's little green things in it. Yep. Um, uh,
1: I'm assuming it, it. there's there's a reason for that. Oh,
0: okay. you're going to like this. Do I have to drink it? Yeah, no right. you do. Ah, that's awful. <laughs> what is that? It's like kind of salty. Mm-hmm. I'm going to stick in with number one. It's a little salty and, and um, I don't uh, know. What a seed. little bit. Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, it's got a little bit of, of uh, milk
0: flavor to it or something. Wow! Yeah, yeah. It was like it was like coconut water for people who wish they were drinking some kind of bubble tea. Yeah, <laughs> you know, exa- like exactly. Milk tea with yeah with chewy crap in it. We are now going to have our producer unlock this double blind for <laughs> us. <laughs> All right, I'm now. Holding in my hands the key. Let's start with the one that, I, I mean, really, we should just say, what's the grossest? I think uh, the one with the floaties, right? I mean, that's mm, just, This one was pretty bad, too. Yeah, number three. Um, color of bed, yeah. you right. Yeah, but... <laughs> mm, hold on. By the way, I'm not looking for sponsors from any of these coconut waters, so...
1: <laughs> I think... Oh, man, look at that. Look how different they look.
0: Yeah, right. I mean, one of them uh, super rusty and the other one I would clear. never drink any either of them. <laughs> so the gross uh, I I would have to say that's pretty gross
1: if you. you it's know, pretty
0: rough. Yeah. You have little green things in your in your coconut water is weird. Um that uh, one would be what? Oh god. Okay, so let's start with that. It's called Skinny Cocoa Something Nirvana, which is <laughs> hiding underneath the $3 price tag. Mm. Uh, Skinny Cocoa Taste Nirvana. Oh, wow. Taste Nirvana. And then it's got Thai basil seeds, A, in parentheses, a (laughs) superfood. It's just like, this is just like, uh, they're just hunting for suckers. They're like, I need a (laughs) superfood in my $3 tiny bottle of um, strange milky something something. All right. Uh, what's,
1: what's the one that looks like a bad urine test?
0: Uh, the, 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 <laughs> that one is called harmless coconut water. If you're living part of the healthy, harmless coconut water lifestyle, this is, by the way, eight fluid ounces for $4 then wouldn't you want your more locally sourced? Also, look at the quantity for
1: $4. That, that look at the size of this thing. Yeah. That's one chug, basically.
0: It's, it's I don't know, <laughs> it's about two inches wide by three or four inches tall. But that's a virtuous cycle where they don't give you a lot of it to drink and you mm-hmm. don't want to drink a lot of oh, it. Oh, that's the virtue. Okay. <laughs> right. Number two, which was our least offensive not winner, mm-hmm. uh, it was called pure Brazilian coconut water. Look at that. Yeah. So
1: we figured out what was actually the best one is the one that's most hyped by Rihanna.
0: That's true. So, yeah. our number one choice, Vita Coco. Yeah. Coconut water, which actually maybe we should look for sponsors because <laughs> not only is this the one that we decided tasted not quite like a coconut, but but uh, the, the least worst, the least <laughs> the least bad variant, <laughs> and it was Three dollars and fifty cents for for you know, about, a lot, a lot, yeah. a lot of uh, cocoa lot. water. So that's good. All right, hit me, hit me with more of that. Let's right. let's do this interview with some rich, creamy, <laughs> and let's add some rum to that. <laughs> energy boosting. <laughs> Come back in February, and we'll just go right for the rum and skip yeah. uh, skip the rest. Yeah, it's
1: pretty good. I can drink like i can, I can drink a, a good few chugs of that I can't touch the other stuff. I actually want it away from me
0: here <laughs> <We> <laughs> just, like dump it on the floor of the uh, of the mm-hmm. studio here and there is water by the way if uh if we've done too much trauma to your yeah, right. palate so Adele, you and I know each other because we worked at Time magazine mm-hmm. for a few years actually um and uh, I, I mean, I remember, obviously, you were you were an art director there. Um, you were, you know, kind of on the other, there's not a big wall, but there's kind of a wall between writer people and reporters like me yeah. and the art uh, crew who would kind of make our stories look good. Um, and I remember you, uh, you know, just being really uh, pleasant and smart to work with. I didn't really know, like... the the like full Adele like you know and I think a couple things one there's this whole backstory which was super fascinating and and felt very relevant to kind of you know where I'm from the part of the world down in the Florida Keys and then also just you know what you've become the ability to kind of uh to do the work that you do now is not something I mean you were already you had your side hustles when you were Mm -hmm. at time you were doing books and everything but yeah um, it's just kind of crazy to, to think that, like, you know, some coworkers. I feel this way about Carolina Miranda too, mm-hmm. who I'd worked with, and Ta-Nehisi Coates. Like, these people who we worked with at time, and we were all kind of making a magazine together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But like, just some like superstars, you know? Like, mm. it's been really cool to see them just like go and get, you know, do their thing afterwards. Anyway, that's the, I mean, that's kind of how I feel about the shit that I've seen you do. After time has really blown me away, yeah. You know? And
1: I, I think having worked worked that many years at, at Time Magazine, I ended up working there thirteen years. Um, it it uh, it helped focus what I was trying to say, focus my work. I, I started understanding, you know, I was designing covers for international editions, and and uh, so small things like cropping, background color, no background color, a lot of things about impact. That, that I learned uh, as I as we made things as I worked with other colleagues and and uh, they would show me you know uh, this works this, you know we would do maybe in one week for especially when the, they were doing the us covers they might do 10 covers yep ten options and and you'd kind of start seeing the differences at, at, at uh, what covers communicate and, and and also the combination of headline to image and and back and forth and um, so I learned a lot about about communicating to, um, to people. And I think that's definitely helped my work once I left the magazine.
0: Um, but let's go, let's go to that, that backstory part. Um, so d- explain, uh, what the, the, the Mariel Boatlift was and like how you, how that's part of your story. Uh, well,
1: uh, the Mar- Mariel Boatlift took place in 1980, uh, in Cuba and, um, there had been about—I uh, mean—in 1980, it was already 20 years after the revolution, and uh, uh, the 70s was was—it started off well in Cuba, but then uh, towards the end, it's then a lot of the pressure started building up from people that uh, they they weren't liking the government, they they weren't liking how the revolution was turning out. So, um, <clears throat> in actually, in April of 1980, um, a, a group of people. Um, took over a bus and uh, crashed it into the Peruvian embassy in Havana, and uh, they sought asylum in the Peruvian embassy. Uh, as soon as the gates were crashed, you know, tens of thousands of people went into the Peruvian embassy, and uh, at that point, Castro suggested, you know, thought the idea of invading the embassy. And the Peruvian embassy ambassador said, "No, this is Peruvian soil. You're not coming in here." So the question is, how do you get rid of? You know, how, how was Castro going to get? these people off the island or whatever and then and, and in the middle of all that he he just you know in one of these fits of, of uh, anger uh, said anyone that wants to leave this doesn't like it here you're all scum you know, we don't want you anyways um, get, that, get out you is know? that where the the phrase gusanos yeah like mm-hmm. your worms your worms gusanos yeah, yeah. And uh, um, uh, he started giving speeches against people that wanted to leave the the country, but at the same time saying, "If you're going to leave, we don't, you know, we don't care. You can leave. We're not going to do anything to you." Uh, and told the people in the United States to come get their family members. So as, as soon as the people in the U.S. got that go ahead, because before that you would get shot if you showed up in Cuba to get your family or if you tried to leave. All of a sudden, people started going down to Key West and uh, and um, um, leasing boats. And uh, my family were, we were sort of quietly trying to leave through Spain, you know, getting a, uh, we were, we had our passports and, and pictures taken to, to get passports to uh, to go to Spain and then be there for a few years and then eventually come to the United States. <clears throat> so that was, you, had, you had a plan in motion yeah, already? Yeah, <laughs> we, we had a plan that my dad had been working on for a while. How old were you? Uh, I was, at the time, I was Eight. But pretty much, I think since I was about five, my dad just said, "I don't want, you know, I don't want my kids growing up in this country," because he was he was seeing what was happening to my sister. My sister was six years older than me, so she was eleven or twelve, and um, they were starting to send her to um, uh, educational, you know, student educational, um, you know, government education schools and work camps. Yeah. Um. Uh, they would take them from the family, you know, like forty-five days at a time. Uh, And then later on, it was like escuela del campo, which is the school in the camp, which you just you weren't in your town anymore with your family. You were you were working in the fields from about six or seven in the morning till one. And then you would go to school after that. Uh, So it was this sort of indoctrination of of children um, for 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 the party and uh, and your dad was a <clears throat> photographer, right? He was a news guy yeah, my 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 dad was no he was he was a little bit of everything. He okay. was the, a photographer. He was the town photographer, so he was taking fifteens and weddings and portraits and things like that. But that sort of came at the end. Before that, he was a chauffeur he uh, he worked at um, he managed some of the restaurants, the government restaurants. Uh, and he was doing just a lot of things he was doing a lot of black marketing and yeah. all sorts of things well it's also that's a that's a very Cuban thing you just like, everybody does the it the hustle it's, is yeah. <laughs> unbelievable yeah but but, but that the, the sort of the tension came, t- came was coming to a head because everybody was watching what he was doing or, or the CDR people the, the committee people were watching what he was doing and uh, and he he got a sense and, and and for you know actual threats at some point. So um, by that, by the time that the, that the Mariel that the announcement was made, my dad was in his head. I have to get out of here as soon as possible because if not, he was going to go to jail. Yeah. So um, um, they, uh, they called, uh, no, they called my aunt, you know, and, and the funny thing was back then in Cuba, you had to do everything kind of in a weird code. Even when you went to the phone stations, you, mm. know, cause you didn't have a phone at home. You had to go to a. Uh, station in another city. And um, it was kind of things like, How's it going? <laughs> is anything happening? And then my aunt, my aunt would say, We have plans in the works or whatever. <laughs> right, right. So this sort of back and forth. The, and the uh, Condor yeah. is
0: taking off.
1: <laughs> because as you're talking, you know, you see the operator over there listening to everybody's conversations, just writing shit down, yeah, like, ratting so, you out. Uh, so, so, um, yeah, yeah. At that time, there was a plan right in the middle of April. April. It was about April twentieth. My aunt was going to come visit us. You know, the, the the flights had started where our family couldn't come visit, and my aunt said, I, "I'll, I'll, we'll talk when I arrive tomorrow." You know, and then when she when he went to pick her up at the airport, he. Uh, he said, um, "She said, oh, I have a surprise for you.'" And my dad's like, "Oh, you got us the the you know money for the passport to go to Spain." And and she said, "No, I I've got a boat on the way." <laughs> <And> <laughs> Damn, that's like, like what? Yeah, I got a boat and, like and action hero. Yeah, and we we have a list of twenty seven people that we want to take out of the country, and we got to go warn everybody tonight. We got to get them set so that when the military shows up. Uh, at the uh, at their houses they're ready to say yes, I want to leave and and uh, get all the get things ready so that night they went from house to house town to town um, we were spread over like three or four towns uh telling all family members what was happening and, and what was and what was happening was as she got on the on the plane to come to Cuba um my um her her sons were had gone down to Key West. And uh, they were—they um, found uh, two Jamaican guys, shrimpers, mm. and said, "We want to go pick up our family in Cuba. Can can we lease your boat?" And I think they paid him something like ten thousand bucks or something. Damn. And they—they uh, they, the Jamaicans were like, "Yeah, let's do it." So, um, you know how Key West is. <laughs> I do. Hope There's not, just do a lot of know. like, yeah, man, whatever. Uh, you know. So, <laughs> right. So, I mean,
0: they were already, everybody was already, I don't know about those two guys, but everybody was already running drugs. Yeah. Yeah. So, like,
1: uh, or you showed up with 10 grand to, what do you want me to do? You <laughs> want my vote for, for what? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, everybody down there is just doing things for whatever uh, is a short hustle or whatever. And they thought it was like, go to Cuba. You know, they. I think they could get to Cuba in about. Eight hours or something, yeah. eight or nine hours, and they thought I was go there and pick up everybody and come back home in a day or two. Yeah, <laughs> and it's Easy. it just became this long j- journey for the for the two guys. Um, but uh,
0: and, these, and so all the twenty seven were based in El Gabriel? or no a- no
1: I uh, actually of all the twenty seven my family was the only one in Gabriel. Okay, they were um, four others in, in a town called La Salud. Uh, they were, um, you know, it, it became a few families, uh-huh. you know, it was my aunt's and then they partnered up with another guy who, who had other family members Got and it. the, her, the grandparents, her husband. So it, oh, they were in Guida, which is another town. Yeah. So this all just started, you know, uh, accumulating and, and it, it ended up being that number. And what was, what was your memory of it? I mean, you were eight turning on nine. Um, I, I, I remember that the, um, before uh, my my mom told me we're gonna go on a trip to you know to see your family <laughs> in in America. You need to give away your things. <laughs> oh no! I remember kidding. that. Okay. You know, pick something, pick whatever's important to you, and give it to me. And I, I remember just looking around, like what what's important to me. And I had a a little uh, uh, a couple of fish, and I, and I and I took the fish and I gave them over to my best friend, those ladies. And I said, I'm going to go on a on a trip. I don't know when I go back, come back, and you take care of my fish. Um, and that—that's what I remember. They—they they didn't give me the specifics as what they thought. It, it, they wanted life to go on as normal, right? Because we knew something was about to happen. We—we we didn't know when. If you gave a tell that you, something was happening, that you were about to leave the country, the the CDR people on the block um, uh, would would arrange for a a, a final goodbye. Let's say. Oh. <laughs> so they would bring in trucks. They were bringing trucks to people's houses to either beat them up. Um, throw, uh, vet, you know, vegetables, eggs, uh, you know, um, whatever at the house, uh, sh- you know, shame you and call you names and things like that. So they were doing, it's called an acto de repudio, which is a repudiation act yeah. on anybody that wanted to leave the country. So my, my parents didn't tell me cause they thought I would go to school and tell my teacher uh it's yep. it's basically 1984 you know everybody's right. just looking out looking at each other wondering who's on what side basically right and how they can rat them out for favors yeah. uh otherwise yeah. <clears throat> so so it was kind of just left like that and i think they took my sister out of school and just said that she was sick and then everybody didn't even tell their parents you know my my mm. dad didn't tell his parents yeah. you know because uh you know my parents had this calculation the whole time what and i've interviewed them you know recently because i'm working on a book o- about this and their calculation was you know at what point does this shit go go bad <laughs> yeah sure. and if it goes bad what's going to happen to our lives that was the bi- big risk which i didn't didn't really think about that you know because everything turned out so great right but that's a so, good thing for an eight-year-old nine-year-old to yeah. not have to think about yeah. like oh crap yeah, yeah. but every uh, You know, in my life, that you know, we had a lot of complications, and but but at the end, we arrived here, and everything was fine. The the what could have happened was that something could have gone wrong, and then you had to stay in Cuba, and the rest of your life. Would have been misery. You and, would have been uh, marked as yeah, a, and you know, as, as a... an anti-revolutionary. Right. My sister would never be able to study. I wouldn't be able to study. My parents would be fired from any job, whatever. Yeah. So uh, which which I've met you know on a recent trip that I went to Cuba. I um, I went and uh, and, and uh, visited my third grade teacher, which I I every time I've gone back I go see her. Yeah. Clara. and uh, yeah, I love her. She's my last teacher, and I, I go see her. And the last trip I went. Um, uh, I was saying goodbye, and and I noticed there were like four school desks in her living room, and I I said teacher, what are these school desks doing here? What's going on here? She was I, I teach here, and I was like, why? Why don't you teach at the school? And she's like, Chico, you know, you don't know what happened to me. I said, no, I I don't know what happened. I said I was supposed to leave in Mariel, you know, and uh, I went all the way to to the boat. I boarded my boat. And then the buses arrived with uh, prisoners, and the boat captain refused to take prisoners to America. You know, boat captain said, "I'm not. I'm not doing that. I'm not taking prisoners to the U.S." And the lieutenant said, "You know, if you don't take these prisoners, you're not taking anybody." And and pulled off all the family members and all the civilians, and one of them was my teacher. Pulled her off the boat, no sent way. her back. To my town where they proceeded to you know beat her up and 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 uh, throw eggs at her and all that stuff she got fired from being my from being the teacher in the elementary school and she was never able to, to teach again so it was about 35 years later that i saw her and uh the way she was making a living was was teaching some private classes at her house because she was never be, she was never able to teach for the state again damn and uh, I think that's something that Americans take for granted: this idea that there is one employer, you know. <laughs> yeah. So that's the problem with Cuba. Whenever I, I've had arguments with um, um, sort of left-leaning or communist people, that um, they um, they they say that the same things happen in this country. Let's say, you know, if you have a, you, you can be at Hunter College and you piss someone off, you can never work there again. Yeah, but then you have Colombia and you have you know, Pratt and you have SBA and you can go somewhere else. Right. When you, uh, live a place where you piss off one, (laughs) the, the only employer, which is what communism is. Basically, that's it. You're marked for life. You can never, you will never have another life, uh, in that place again. And that's why a lot of people end up, uh, escaping or, or, you know, for example, going to Mexico and trying to cross the border because their life in Cuba is over. They They spoke out against
0: the government. Right. They did something. Your life is, is ruined. And you, and you don't always know when it's coming or where it's coming from? No, 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 um, no, no. Yeah.
1: And there, there's, you know, hundreds of cases. Uh, I, everyone in my in my family has, has uh, a story to tell.
0: The, you know, the, the boat lift on the other side, you know, from Key West, and I was five, uh, I think, when it happened. I have no memories of it. But it's funny, um, you know, it's funny from the Key West side because you'll talk to people and if the number of people who claimed to have been captains or, like, crew in the Mariel boat lift mm-hmm. were actually there, it would have been an armada of, like, 500,000 boats. <laughs> you know, it's like the legend of it kind of has grown uh-huh. in the, you know, because it was this incredible... I mean, it was a, it was an army of civilian, mm-hmm. you know, a navy of civilian boats that went to go get everybody. And Yeah, know. it went on for about six months. Yeah.
1: And in the end, in the end, it was about 125,000 people that finally came. Um... You know, I remember the night we left, uh, what was going on, uh, my parents, what they had done is, is my parents are <laughs> really nice people, and they started giving away their things to neighbors and all sorts of stuff. And um, then when we are about to, they seal up your house, and they, you know, it's like a big seal that says property of the state, et cetera. And, um, Just in case you were w- wondering who runs shit, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they take your car, your house, everything. Yeah. So um, they... Uh, they sealed up the house, and then uh, the lieutenant came over and said, "No, no one's leaving this place. Where's, where's all this stuff?" And he actually had a list of all our, all our things. <laughs>
0: he was like, "This was going to be mine." Yeah.
1: And apparently, they, you know, they had, had someone in our house at some point looking at everything we
0: owned. Just like a spy, or yeah, like uh, my my dad figured out who it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's uh, yet another fun part about yeah, uh, the the dictatorship. Yeah, someone that just someone wondering who is ratting you yeah, out. Yeah, like a friend that
1: came over to the house showing interest in his cameras and he was really showing interest in, in, in writing it down. So, um, um so we showed up with the list and you know, my mom said, We gave it away to our friends and like, Well, get it back in here. So and you know, at like eleven o'clock at night, everyone had to go to other people's houses to bring our, our, our you know, sewing machine television, whatever back into the house, you know. And then we were taken to a few processing centers. Eventually, we were taken to a place called uh, El Mosquito, the um, which was a, a, a military base. And then we were in that base for about six days. Uh, and this was the start of the Mariel boat lift. So there were no amenities. There was no, nothing. We didn't even have tents or anything. We were just sleeping under pine trees. And um, that went on for five or six days. They, they you know... There were there was there was no food. It was basically like a detention camp, you know,
0: situation. That must have been pretty nerve wracking because you don't, you're not sure what's at the end of that exact process, right? Yeah, and and
1: and from talking to my dad, I think my dad lost about 15 pounds there, um, because um, there was even while we were there, they were pulling people out, taking them to their workplace, beating them up, having having the workplace beat them up. <laughs> And then bringing them back into the camp, they were doing this sort of psychological torture type of stuff, and uh, and my dad just was freaking out. My dad was like, "Why is this taking so long? Why aren't we leaving? Or you know, what are they going to do with us yeah. while we're here? Can they cancel this at any time?" You don't want to be in any administrative situation in Cuba, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> or with cu- with Cuban military people managing or handling anything. Yeah it's a disaster no one's in control you don't know what's going on and they're lying and uh, all sorts of stuff so um yeah it was it was that that camp you know a lot of stories that happened there and then uh eventually uh, uh we were uh, taken to uh to our our boat uh, and and uh, that's where we met my my cousins who were waiting there and so, it was a it was a shrimper with like side nets and yeah, like the yeah, whole gig yeah 68 foot shrimper with the side nets yeah. and all that stuff and yeah. uh uh and the you know, every, it took days and days, and my the, the two Jamaican guys said, we're not leaving without your family. That's what they kept telling my, mm. my cousins. We're not leaving. We came here to get your family. We're not leaving without them. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and um, you know, that was it. We boarded the boat around uh, 6 or 7 p.m., stayed on it for, for a few hours, and then eventually we took off as a flotilla of about 15 boats, I think it was, and like a line heading out of the harbor. And then we arrived the next morning around seven uh, in the morning in Key West. That's crazy. Yeah,
0: I mean, and that's like you know that's when I'm getting up to go to kindergarten or something on the island, you know, oh, yeah. like <laughs> right? I mean, it's it's and that's you know that again that's. I feel like that part of history has kind of passed by. Mm-hmm. And then, the mo- you know, the, in, in on the island of Key West, actually the fever kind of passed too because most everybody left town. Like mm. everybody went up to Miami and, mm. you know, and, and parts further north. We had a few kids who stayed. Mm. Um, but, you know, Key West Cuban populations, they're like the 1800s Cubans. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Like I in, think
1: we stayed for about a day at, yeah. at a, the processing center there. And I'm, I mean, the... The, the reason I've been thinking about it lately is is the difference from the experience that I had to seeing what these uh, you know Costa Rican and i'm sorry uh, Honduran yeah. Guatemalan kids are getting now the caravan uh, yeah we we were we were kept together as a family the yep. whole time we were welcome well you know like a very big welcome to America yeah we were given so much food I ate my first apple uh we were giving little packages of everything like you know um toothbrush, toothpaste, you know, I landed in the U.S. thinking, wow, this is so clean and there's so much stuff here. There were, there were you know, uh, piles of toys that would let us yeah. pick as many toys as we wanted, Damn. which I never had in my life, you know. So it was, you really did get a sense, you know, this idea that America is a wonderful, great place that welcomes people. And then now I'm seeing this stuff where, where the kids are being uh, split and put in cages and all this shit. And... Uh, it's not what this country is, you know, uh, and it, it's like people don't understand when you've been. We were we were about seven days of the whole process, seven or eight days from the time we left our house. Yeah. We have been, been through, I don't know, three or four processing centers, a detention camp, Yeah, all this stuff. I had I was wearing the same clothes for seven or eight days, right. the same pants and the same shirt, because yeah. they, they told us they told us. You know, you don't need to bring any clothes or food. You're, you're, right. you're, you're going to get right on the boat.
0: <laughs> if anybody ever tells you. That goes back to the lies you were talking about. <laughs> if anybody ever tells you, you're
1: going to get right on the boat. <laughs> don't believe them ever. Right. And uh, so you land here and you're just exhausted, you know. And the least you can do for people like that is, is take care of them. Right. The, the least humane thing you can do is take care of them, make them feel safe. And hey, you're gonna have to go through a detention hearing or a lawyer or whatever, right? And that, will, but don't
0: make their life more miserable. Well, and, yeah. and imagine coming up by foot on caravan six weeks. I mean, mm-hmm. like the the level is yeah. out of control. And 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 also, you know, not to put too fine a point on it, but like the the language of like the invasion that's yeah. happening now, like. The minor trickle that is coming over the, the southern border, uh, you know, like almost historic low levels of people who are crossing the Mexico border mm-hmm. compared with 125,000 Cubans. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. you know, the Mariel boat lift was a big deal and it changed a lot of communities and it brought a lot of like, you know, a lot of uh, just kind of new people and people had to be trained and had to come into this country and this culture. Right. And nobody was like we can't do this. They well, said, absolutely, they said like, I mean, maybe some people were, but like generally, the government stance well, was like, we're going to do this and like, and sure enough, like Cuban Americans have come here and like, prove the, themselves. The, we, I, the, the
1: reason, the reason it happened and the reason w- w- it was probably allowed, I mean, I, I really did feel at that time that American people at that time were much more welcoming and sort of, um, you know, not as selfish, a little bit more giving and understanding, but I think the main reason before that was the Cold War. Right. Okay, We were in this life or death struggle with communism or the Soviets and Cuba was part of that. And anything that shamed Cuba or anything that shamed the Russians, like, look at these people, they're leaving Cuba. It's not an ideal place. They're coming to us. Then we'll take them. So in that case, that was
0: okay. Right. (laughs) And you have to like interrogate a lot of those things too about you know if if you were from Haiti this would be a different conversation right i mean right, they right. they were not allowed to come en masse and welcome yeah but i, I think
1: yeah. the, the cuba always remained as this special place because we had uh because of the communism issue yeah. i think I, that's what i think yeah. it, it was it was a way to just kind of rub it in uh, to say hey these people are leaving communism is horrible. is it not an example anybody left east yeah. berlin hey welcome uh, but and by um, the way, they're
0: not wrong. <laughs> like Cuba yeah. did suck. Like no, I, I I know. Great to shine a light on it. <laughs> all right, well let me let me ask you about getting going back because mm-hmm. you know all the stuff that happened that intervened. I think is also maybe like a you know that's what happened with the mariolitos is they they came here and made a success themselves mm-hmm. and and you know you came up here you ended up going to uh, school for you went to Pratt right yeah. Um, and you know, kind of started to have this great career, and you had never gone back to Cuba until what, 2014?
1: Uh, no, actually, the first time I went was 90, 93 or 94 oh, 93. with my father. Yeah, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I, I had gone back a, a few times. So I went right in the middle of the special period after the Russians left. Damn, that must have, that yeah, must have broken. That was up. the first time I went back, and yeah. I, I came. I, I'm. I've never had that, you know, issues with depression. And when I came back, I was just like for a week, just leave me alone. Don't talk to me. I just want to like cry at my bed and sleep. What did you see? It was, you know, basically the the country that I had left was just a disaster. Um, people at that time were, there was nothing. There was no, you know, people were cooking out of diesel fires in the backyard, you know, like using diesel fuel to to, to try to make a stove. Uh, everything was just a disaster you know there was no no water anywhere no electricity so it was it felt a bit like a war zone and then when you see your family and your grandmother and your grandfather living in the middle of all that and you're walking around and you go wow this would be so easy to fix if we just you know got some power here or did this and that it really uh yeah it really does upset you you know um so that was yeah that was 94 96 was still the same way when i went back 99 yeah, a little bit it started changing mostly um, uh, back uh, the next time I was it was 2012 uh, mm-hmm. uh, and and then things were co- sort of a little bit more you know not not that right on the edge of the premises yeah. of of death yeah it was it was it was a little bit more and then I went in 2014 and uh, yeah I had a show there in Havana in 2014 and 15 and uh Havana is 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 basically is a pretty put together capital you know uh there's a lot of um good things going on there now um a lot of young people that I know that are in the arts and music so
0: right no and there's um i mean I had the same interval like i I'd, I'd gone down there and we'd spent uh some months down there in nineteen ninety nine um mm-hmm. when I was playing music, and then I didn't go back until two thousand and nine um and it was just, it was kind of crazy to see the changes that had happened already. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not, I don't know, not not like, uh, not new buildings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the buildings are the same, but just like better maintained. And they'd have like nightclubs and stuff, you know, things yeah. that weren't really around in 99, you know. Yeah. And, and
1: um, it's, it, what's strange about it is that... A, it's not publicized. There's no way to know what's happening <laughs> in an yeah. official way. Yeah. But once you, you get to meet people or young young people that go out and do things, they're like, there's this thing happening over there. Right. There's that, that, that. And yeah. then you end up, you know, in, in this ma- mansion type place that they've converted into a club. Right, and, right. So everything
0: is a little bit, um, runs a bit like that, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, and I know some some friends like, you know, uh, I was talking to Kelvis Ochoa who's just the, the amazing uh, Cuban singer and songwriter, who's talking about like the need for like a, a weekly, you know, that will help yeah. people where gigs are and stuff. Because you're right. It's still like it's still the chain, you know, yeah. it's still like just people talking to people. But, yeah. you know, one of the things that I valued, the reason why I was super psyched when we, you know, published uh, some of your photos and, and writing from one of your return trips, I think in 2014 mm was just like the perspective that you have on it just cuts through a lot of bullshit because of people. I don't know. I mean, obviously you've got uh, you've got a, a right wing kind of Cuban American community, and then you've got a lot of people who you know with like Che posters oh, <laughs> on their right. wall, and it feels like like the truth is so hard in oh. the middle. Oh, I see, I see. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's yeah. just but like the,
1: but that's the reality. The reality is that the story's in the middle of yeah, negotiating yeah. all these things, and people that live in Cuba. Uh, they're neither here nor on one side or the other. They're just trying to move (laughs) the chess pieces around to get what they need
0: and to not be arrested. (laughs) And to not get... I mean, and that (laughs) was... Right, I mean, I had had such a... When I was down there as a musician, like, mm -hmm. life was great. Like, I was playing in a band, and Compay Segundo was showing up, and, like, we were... It was, like, uh, one of us uh, bliss time. And then when I went back down as a journalist with time, like you know i got pulled out of the line at immigration and detained at the airport and like yeah you know that mm-hmm. I, I think we had talked about that but you know they were they were basically i was on a bad visa like i was on a tourist visa yeah. and they did the most cuban shit ever which is one like you had the customs and border protection were like you know flirting with the immigration cops and they were feeding each other like pieces of mango straight <laughs> off a knife and like you know just like being very like very tropical about how they went through their business <laughs> you know like <laughs> very tropical
1: dictatorship <laughs>
0: yeah you know and then you're kind of like oh this is these guys are so cuddly like they're doing a little like dance and... until they say no well yeah. and and then the boss <laughs> shows up and then the boss yep. is in plain clothes and he's got a dossier with my like a dossier on me like with my covers from oh, time, really like oh, domestic shit. time. that's what i'm wondering when that's going to happen when i go back there it's, it's still in their arsenal. Mm-hmm. He come, brings me back to like an interrogation room. I mean, literally the naked light bulb. And he's like, you know, as I'm sure you know, we're not going to do anything to you. But <laughs> this guy and this guy and this guy who you know, who were they knew who was in my band back in 99. Wow. And they were like, you know, something could happen to them. Wow. Like maybe they don't get a visa to go on tour next time. Maybe yeah. they, you know, mm-hmm. maybe somebody takes the computer that, you know, this guy's got in his apartment. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, that's, you know, like what you're saying, this, this, the way that they use social control is like, yeah, oh, it's dark shit, man. It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. they'll use relationships against each other. You
1: yeah. Know? Yeah. I'm, I'm very aware of that. Yeah. yeah
0: and, and, and I'm,
1: I'm, I'm cautious of what I do or say sometimes because I have a lot of family in there yeah. where I here, I can say and do whatever I want but if i if some you know they they get a glimpse of something they could go and affect my aunt and my cousins or yep. whatever and it's part of the control that they that they do you know and it's, i've said a lot of things in the last few years and um i haven't been back i don't know if when i go back they'll, yeah. they'll they'll say so you said this and this you know everything's online nowadays
0: it it seems so selective cuz they're not like they don't have the brutal efficiency of like an east germany yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> Fortunately, yeah, but you don't want to be
0: you don't want to be the guy they you know pulled out and um, to to persecute the family members. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. So you know, so it's the it's the it's that Cuban connection. And by the way, that that airport which you wrote about also it's it's Jose Marti Airport. Like this episode is dropping on his birthday. Mm. You know, like Jose Marti is the one guy who both communities like mm-hmm. you know your right wingers in miami love him like i grew up across the street from a big statue of him and his, right. his incredible forehead you know yeah <laughs> and then the, on the island they still celebrate him but that was like the last guy they agreed on you know yeah so they have the airport and you go in there and it's always you know i've been in there now four or five times uh not you know in the past number of years and it's like you're always wondering like what the hell is going to happen and when you went you took yeah. your daughter's Mm-hmm. And a bunch of books.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh, I, I was having a show, and in the show, there were about twenty or thirty books, and they're all in a box. And 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 right when I got into the airport, they're like, "Okay, what's this?" And like, they're books. What are they about? Uh, what's in them? You know. And they started pulling out, and they actually started pulling out and opening my children's books. They're
0: like cute little characters of penguins and this and that. Oh, this is like Sergio. Yeah, and then they're, they're just a, looking through. <laughs> a great children's book series that Adele did that I I, I read to my kids growing up, but yeah. So they're, they're looking for subject matter, and in the middle of all that,
1: they had stopped everything and just pulling out all, all my books, and they're wanting to pull out my posters and see what it was all about. And then suddenly the the person from the museum shows up with a letter and the like, letter yeah. the letter's got the right seal or whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. it is
0: and they just they like all stood start down. wrapping everything up i just love the idea of this you know illustrated book about a penguin who's scared to swim you yeah. know <laughs> it's like counter revolutionary yeah there were they like 10 people it. around huddling around looking at a, a, a little children's book to figure out if
1: there was any hidden meaning in it uh, um, full, full employment man yeah uh-huh. um so you know it, it, it's that that's the the, the way they they function but I've, I really feel that what we've tried for the last sixty years didn't change anything in, in Cuba. You know? Yeah. So what what is going to change it? You have to just uh, basically. I think what what Obama was trying to do was get involved, dig in, get in there, and start changing it from the inside. And, Using and, leverage, and, like yeah. And I and I know that I have a lot of friends that are young. They're 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 working there. They're being they're artists, musicians, and they're not leaving the island. They're they're trying to change right. from within. And what do you do? You try to support them. I and mean, if they want to do a show of your work, you show up. And um, I had a show of my work. I didn't take anything out. I showed everything that I would show anywhere else. I had a slideshow where I had some images critical of communism or Che. And um, she, she looked at it and she thought about it for a while, <laughs> the, the curator. Yeah. And she just went, let's go for it. Let's see what happens. Yeah. We That's how it. you do it, right? Yeah. Like, And we showed it with like an audience of 200 people. And... and everybody was cool about it no, you know there were no uh, the 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 story of cuba is that everyone's in on the stupidity of the whole place <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> everybody knows it's ridiculous that's so true so there's maybe 5% of you know i asked i asked someone i'm not even going to say who I,
0: <laughs> who I asked
1: i asked someone that i know how many people you know are are, are with the party you know is it like 5% and and they told me mm, maybe 1% yeah
0: uh, like really it, that i really is 1% The rest of the country is to them it all it's all a farce, but there's nothing they can do about it basically. Although I I you know, it doesn't mean that they don't make personal calculations. I remember going back after I got detained and they let me go and I went and found different people who had been in my band and like talked to them and I was at that point I was a journalist for Time Magazine, you know, and I was like, Hey, I'm doing this story. Are you comfortable doing this? Mm -hmm. And the singer in my band is a woman I love, you know, I went and Made the same approach. Everybody, everybody talked to me. They took me back home. They, you know, we just—it was amazing. This woman sat me down in the chair and yelled at me for thirty minutes. For and what? It, it, it was like a speech. It was, mm-hmm. uh, it was like, uh, it was like somebody was listening on the other side of the wall. Oh, really? Yeah. She was like, <laughs> you know, I know that you and I have a relationship, but, uh. but this, what you're doing. I don't know anything about an imperial press, an imperialist press. Like, I don't know anything about no magazines. But all I know is that people can't come to Cuba and tell lies about our system. I'm like, who, who And you, you had never, she was never like that with you before. Oh, no, no. <laughs> when I was carrying a saxophone, like, <laughs> never. So it's like very strange, like, th- who the audience yeah. was. Yeah, yeah. Except that somebody was, like, listening or that yeah. she, I mean, it's just, it's Yeah, I, w- so I would be surreal. talking to my family and we were,
1: like, talking, talking, talking. And all of a sudden, we get into a, a car, you know, that was provided by by like the museum or something. And I asked my aunt, I'm like, hey, I saw, it. and she's like, <laughs> quiet. I'm like, why, why? And she just goes, I don't know. Right. Uh, that that situation. That was one situation. Another situation was at the at the museum. All the there were three or four people office people working on the show, and they're just talking like like in like we're in the US about anything. Blah 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 about the government, about this, that right. And it's like, hold on a second, what's going on here? I'm confused. Yeah. How is it that you guys are talking about everything? You're you know, yeah. aren't you freaked out? And like, no, we all know each other. We know what this right. is, what's going on here. Yeah. It's it's really who you're with and knowing who who you can say things to. Yeah. Uh and yeah, all these things of and actually that's the first thing that set me off with this whole Trump thing, I think about two years ago. I was um I was uh, at some school event or something and I and I said something about Trump and then the person I was with was like Shh, no I don't want you to don't talk because the teacher and you know I don't know what these people think of Trump or whatever and I'm like hold on a second like the alarm bells went off yeah. someone's telling me to keep it low in this country in the United States I've heard this before <laughs> that's an old you know? memory for you Yeah and I, and and that's what happens over the last 2 years is I kept coming up on things or hearing things that would go like a little trigger in my head okay wait a second that's the exact same way someone behaved you know in Cuba 30 years ago Uh, I don't like what's happened I don't like how people are talking the way that Trump was doing things like insulting people like like when, when when Fidel called people worms or scum it's It's the same thing that Trump does. gets
0: angry and decides to do one thing I mean it's the similarities are there but so I should like interject there's you know the thing that that you the listener probably know Adele from is his magazine covers and his illustrations that have become I think Fast Company called you the illustrator in chief you know it's (laughs) like um, it's an incredible body of work that includes the most powerful, you know, illustrations of Trump that have come out. And they range from starting of just Trump very orange and melting to Trump, you know, and in the process that you've described as I've read elsewhere is like you, you kind of draw this as an extreme you know, an extreme version of your reaction to something that happened but then he kind of lives into that version. (laughs) So like, you know, when he starts talking like kind of like a racist then you drew him with a big old Ku Klux Klan hood on and then Charlottesville happened and all of a sudden that actually is a magazine cover for Time or or Der Der Spiegel. Spiegel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so there's that one. Yeah, I'm about one year ahead of the the curve on a lot of things. In terms of the like, I mean, the the one that I, I think my favorite, favorite is a weird word to use, but the one that just struck me the most of course is like this this ISIS terrorist image of Trump with a beheaded statue right. of Liberty, which again is like super raw image and and you know in the context of like would you have done that about you know other past presidents and everything? Right. The answer of course becomes clear a year later after you do it, where it's just like. Yeah. I mean this is terrorism. Yeah. Like yeah, this yeah. is and people are people are getting killed behind this shit. Yeah. And the 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 power that your illustrations have is to, you know, to kind of present that in a way and it that I also feel could only have come from you. Like only your background, which is not yeah. something you think about artists or illustrators necessarily. It doesn't always seem so obvious, but the connection to me at least seems very clear. Like mm-hmm. this is the this is this is why you have a hair trigger on that alarm. Right. And the yeah, rest think, of us are just kind of yeah, I think so going around, you know. Yeah, I, I think to some some degree, to, to
1: some people it's a there's a bit of a oh that's a crazy kook, or uh, look at the crazy thing he did. And I I took uh, from the very beginning, I I took a very serious angle at it, and my images are n- are not never you know they're sometimes funny but a little creepy at the same time you know funny creepy or yeah and um it was it was. A lot of times when I did when I made images, I was some of it was be be strong so people pay attention to what I'm saying, uh, and but at the same time, whenever I did them, I was like, this is kind of um, I'm going I'm taking I'm going out on a limb on this. You know, he hasn't beheaded the Statue of Liberty yet; he's not a Ku Klux Klan guy yet. So you do take that leap. No, at that time, you know, right. now definitely. <laughs> He's <laughs> but made I, his affiliations. But when clear. I was making the images, it was this sort of like, what could possibly happen? What you know, And present that to the people yeah. and, and, and get them to pay attention. And then it just slowly, you know, sort of evolves into, it really, really fits that that hole. And, you know, what I, what I tell people, artists, you know, we have a lot of free time to think of the impossible, you know. And um, that's what we do. We just sit around thinking, you know, what could something become? What could something be? And uh, that's what I try to do What's uh, what I try to present to people. And I shouldn't have to be doing that. You know, that's the point is that I shouldn't have to be thinking about. But, you know, you have the FBI wondering at some point, wait, is, is he an agent of Russia <laughs> and starting an investigation? So that's what the FBI also does. They what have to sit around and be? think, yeah, you know? think of the impossible. Uh, and, uh, and we, you know, we have time or, you know, that, that's our jobs uh, to, to communicate uh, these things. And, and um, yeah, it's definitely something that, that I, I, I you know, sometimes I, uh, people ask me, why do you do it? What do you continue doing? And, and it's this idea that only uh, I can do this kind of stuff that I'm thinking about because of my background and. History. I can I can tie uh, the stories together. I can see what a dictator. I know what a dictatorship was. Yeah. And I can see how this can become one slowly. Yeah. Uh, and I can uh, I'm, I'm, I'm able to see that in ways that other people can not do. And I can communicate it because I figured out ways to do it. In a, in a. I can I can work graphically in a very direct manner. So that's why I, I, I continue to do it. You know, I, I'd rather be, you know, painting uh, something else. Trust me, you know, but I really... Landscapes. Feel, so. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> but I do really do feel like um, there's a lot of important topics that I want to uh, I, I wanna cover and, and, and you know, make people uh, aware of it. Venezuela was a normal, great democracy for many years. And yeah. uh, Venezuela changed overnight. It's a disaster now, you know. So the idea that that can't happen here, well, it happened in Venezuela.
0: So what what is that thing they say about bankruptcy it, it it happened gradually and then it happened all of a sudden yeah yeah it's like those those are the things where yeah. you're really prepping the ground that you know a kind of a quieter thing that also I think I see in your images that you've talked about also is just like wanting to make images for people who don't speak english necessarily Yeah, and just like cutting like people in your family who don't speak like yeah. this is not highly like you're going right for like some kind of human core that people just visually like Oh, I get exactly what we're saying here. Yeah, and and uh, it's
1: you know sometimes I sacrifice the the way a lot of information, a lot of artistic detail, or this and that. Yeah. Because uh, sometimes I do feel that, that that we tend as artists to kind of like make things for other artists, right? And I take a lot of that stuff out, and I want to communicate to like my dad or a construction worker. And I I spent a lot of my Youth in in junkyards and you know mechanic shops. Uh, with my dad, my dad was a t- truck driver in in Miami, and I get a lot of joy that my image can 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 get someone like my like my dad or, or a farmer that that isn't keeping up with all the subtleties or whatever. Right, and they're like, "Wow, this is crazy that we just made." And then some PhD candidate will somewhere will get the same feeling from it. So you're you're kind of touching the whole. Uh, gamut of of, of of the population. And also a lot of my work gets seen, uh, you know, worldwide. So now with the internet, it's in Brazil, it's in China, Turkey. Right. I have friends online that are in Turkey or whatever. So well, you have to make images nowadays that really are are not language-based. Right. You know.
0: Yeah. And the threat is global. <laughs> so yeah. you might as well, like, people better have an understanding. I mean, because, like you say, also to... to, to to almost commemorate this period, whether it ends up good or bad, right? Mm-hmm. To just sort of say, like, this is what we're thinking from inside the United States. Mm-hmm. This is the moment of time that we're in and communicate that perfectly through illustration.
1: Yeah, I'm I, 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 get. I'm getting a lot of feedback from people in, in other places, in Turkey. And, 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 They're and, like, and... I got a guy for you to draw. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I get that all the time, you know? Yeah. Come to my country and do this. But, uh, um, but I think... Uh, they look at me and go, you're insane. What are you doing? Because in their country, they know what the repercussions would be for doing what I'm doing. Yeah. So they're looking at it through their filter and just kind of shaking their head, like waiting, yeah. like when's something going to happen to you? Yeah. yeah. And I'm here doing it to show the rest of the world, I'm here, I can do this, I can do whatever I want. This is what America is really about. Yeah. The idea that you can just say whatever you want. Okay, let's see. let's see where this story ends up. Either America is a great country and you can, you know, make images of uh, the uh, criticizing the, the, the president in the strongest way possible or it's not. And I go to jail. <laughs> I'm I'm willing to take the risk. <laughs> You're putting it to the test. Well, if I if, if I if I, you know, uh, and this is where it comes again to my position. You know, if 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 it's that's not what this country is, why did I lose my entire family to come here? Why did I do all of that? Why have I not seen my grandparents
0: to come here? If that's not what this country is, it's over. I'm done. <laughs> that was the promise that your parents kind yeah. of took up on like this is a better place. Like yes. This... Yes. So when you give me that opportunity, I'm I'm going to take it and I'm
1: going to do it and 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 if it's not, then I I don't really want to live anywhere. I'm done.
0: <laughs> well, surely surely there's some well, oh, move to Sweden or Namibia, uh, yeah, sure, <laughs> but uh, you know it's not as much fun, I guess. <laughs> Man, I appreciate that you're out there uh, uh, putting the stress test on, on <laughs> democracy and freedom of speech, and uh, you know it's 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 funny, like, um, having you design the logo for this podcast is a little bit like taking the Ferrari to the store to buy some groceries, <laughs> you know, like it's a kind of misapplication, but I just could not. You know, I couldn't have a a, a a need for illustration and not somehow try to cajole you into being involved because like I just, uh, yeah, I, I have such respect for the work that you do and like this this way that it it comes from who you are and where you've been. There's very few stories in media out there that that move me kind of quite like that. I know you're working on this book. Mm-hmm. I cannot wait to talk to you more about it when it's uh, when it's closer to coming out. Uh, and telling your story. And um, yeah, everybody's got to check out your work. That's it. It's Adele Rodriguez, the great. All right, man. Thanks. Thanks for coming in, man. Thank you. The trip is hosted by me, Nathan Thornburg, produced by Roads and Kingdoms. Taffy Mokunyadze is our editor and arbitress of good taste. Emily Marinoff is our producer. Executive producers are me and Matt Goulding, also of Roads and Kingdoms. Music by Dan the Automator, artwork by the man you've listened to this hour. Adele Rodriguez. Over on roadsandkingdoms.com, a profile of one of New York's great culinary establishments, the Punjabi Deli in the East Village. Adwet Singh's words and Genghis Yara's photos bring this deli, where I once bought the best mango man has ever tasted, as perfect a fruit as has ever existed, to life. Next week on the trip, a conversation with former Washington post Tehran correspondent Jason Rezaian, author of the new book Prisoner, who tells the harrowing story of what happened when Iran's Revolutionary Guard set their grim sights on him and his journalist wife, Yegi. It's an engrossing conversation about life, liberty, and the fight for a free press.
1: Something was going on and you know we weren't sure if it was you know, normal hackers or more uh, you know, the state variety. I think she was way more in tune with the fact that this could be something pretty nasty than I was, uh, because she grew up there and you know, you hear stories of people disappearing and bad shit
0: happening. So yeah, they they showed up and, and hauled us away to prison that night. We'll meet you there.